Hey, ¿qué pasa, Calexico? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, like always, before we begin, I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank my anchor sponsors, my friends Jake and Sergio. Thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast. I also want to thank David Gastelum. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the Imperial or San Diego counties, make sure you contact David Gastelum, 760-235-9576. He's not only a realtor, but an investor with over 20 years of experience. And um, he'll help you along the way in one of your, the most important investments in your life. I also want to thank my friends Frank and Patty for letting me record today's episode at Golden Dragon Chinese Food um, here in Calexico. Make sure you stop by and, and, and shop local and buy, you know, none of that um, Panda Express stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you stop by and, and pick up some of their delicious food. Um, today for episode 21, I have somebody really special. Um, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, being somebody that's a big YouTube fan and, you know, you slid through the cracks and I didn't really um, hear about you till recently. Um, a shout out to Mika Lexico because uh, that's the first play I, I heard from you. Um, on a, um, today's guest is Bernadette Plazola. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Bernadette is, is a musician, uh, YouTuber, mm -hmm. uh, teacher. Yes. Um, and what do you think about about the term create, uh, creator or influencer because that's sometimes what they called uh right youtube youtubers now you influencers yeah right? youtubers instagrammers get called influencers but it seems like when the term influencers used it's a negative term um i don't care <laughs> i don't care <laughs> yeah. i mean i i know that um i think we're more of marketers right and that's yeah. what marketing does and so yes i do get sent instruments to use And the objective of the brands is so that they will be purchased. And so I think that's what the influencers do. And um, I think the derogatory term for influencer came from the fact that people could never tell if the influencer or the creator genuinely liked the product or if they were just using it because they were getting paid. Yeah. That's what I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. Um, so uh, before we begin with, you know, the whole YouTube and, and all this, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you grew up here in Calexico, I, I take it? Yeah, yeah. I grew up like just outside of town here in Calexico on Cole Road. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, an only child, my parents are Daniel and Esther Plazola. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uncle has the Plazola Services AC company. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to Dual Elementary, then De Anza, then Calexico High. And then my last two years, I moved to Central to graduate from Central. Oh, okay. So I did get a little taste of El Centro before leaving. And then I left at age 17. I started my education at Cal Poly. And then after that, I, I was kind of excited and wanted to travel the world. And so I, I decided to leave the country. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. um, you went to... Um, When you were, went to school and, um, you know, high school and everything, were mm -hmm. you in, in band or were yes. you, yeah, or you were? Yeah, so um, Mr. Rasmussen did mm. like a second grader's intro to recorder. <laughs> and so that was my first exposure to music. And then in fifth grade, he recruits students to the band. And so I joined band at fifth grade. And mm. then I was in band the rest of my life. And even though I went to college and moved away, like my major was music with an oh, emphasis okay. in education. And when I graduated with my music degree, I had to do this like, 90 minute concert and i invited mr rasmussen my fifth grade teacher to yeah. come to it and he came like he drove from here from calexico oh, really? all the way to la to watch my concert and wow. so it was super cute and i think that just speaks to the community here like your family yeah so, yeah it's crazy because you know i worked um we were talking yesterday and you're like you sound, you look familiar and it's because you know i worked at the end mm -hmm. for 
like mm-hmm. almost 20 years yeah, and i remember you <laughs> uh, and i remember mr rasmus and he was always like you know he was a joker but he didn't he didn't seem like the guy that would you know take the time to drive yeah, you know yeah. four hours and go to because he was so like strict mm-hmm. and so firm you know yeah, and he had yeah. that little white car and yeah stuff. <laughs> <laughs> i remember yeah no but he had this big old heart you know it's like an onion you peel back all the layers yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I i mean i never saw that side of him so it's kind right. of like it's surprising that mm-hmm. that he would you know he would do that um yeah so you know, you, you had that passion for music, but what about teaching? Was it something that, you know... No, I no, I had no idea. Actually, th- that wasn't my first major. I left here um, thinking I was going to be a veterinarian. And Cal Poly, my first major was pre-vet. So I was in as a pre-vet science major. Mm-hmm. But right before leaving the Valley, I worked at Sarcido's Pet Shop. And oh. I saw how animals were a product. And, like, they're bought and sold and how they would get sick and I, I just didn't like the environment i mm-hmm. thought wow i don't i'm not happy working around animals i thought it would be such a cute job and i love animals and i love doing good deeds and saving them and that's not what the business was yeah. and i thought whoa i'm not going to be happy in this job i'm always going to be concerned for animals and their health and how they're being treated and i thought okay like i can still have animals but i think i should choose a career where i'm going to feel fulfilled every day you know because i could just see myself going down this dark yeah. dark path emotionally and psychologically and so i had to think quick because i wanted to change my major as soon as possible and not waste any time and i thought well music's always made me happy like i i guess i could pursue a career in that and so i went to the music majors meeting and i liked it and then i asked to see the curriculum like well, how many classes you need to graduate and mm. i said well i don't know which major i'm going to choose but which one does most of the classes and they said oh well the education one has to do the most and i said okay i'll start there and then i'll find my way yeah well i started there and i thought oh okay i like this and so i stayed with music education so um i was um kind of like snooping on your youtube channel <laughs> thank you <laughs> <clears throat> you know it's it's crazy cuz every time uh, when i interview somebody that that i find out like on find out on like on instagram that i find i'm like an artist or something mm-hmm. like i kind of like like i take my time and like i'm like going <laughs> through their feed and cyber stalking <laughs> yeah. but i'm um, like to me it's research right and um oh to all of us it's yeah. research <laughs> <laughs> so i was going through it and i saw that you were in like one of your first videos is you're in okinawa right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um how did you know you get there and how do you start teaching over there yeah so um I landed a job teaching here at Frank Wright Middle School in Imperial and I was a band director and it was like the happiest work year of my life. But uh, I think I was, what, 24, 25? And I had a conversation with one of the senior teachers and she said, oh, well, you know, in 30 years when we retired and she just continued and it dawned on me like, I'm going to be here for 30 years. (gasps) no and so that scared me so much and i thought okay i have to leave i have to go like Mm -hmm. i have to go and so i got a a, like a quick summer teaching gig in china i was teaching english and i always i had gone before and i had always taken a ukulele because it's easy and it fits on the airplane and people respond to it and i would teach english through music because you lose Mm -hmm. the accent when you're singing yeah yeah and so I went teaching to China and I thought, okay, I just need to do it. I just need to take the leap and go to Asia. And so uh, there was a posting online on like Japan has this thing called Buku. It's like Craigslist. <laughs> and it was for an international English teacher to teach music at their English immersion school in Okinawa, Japan. 
And so I interviewed and then they were supposed to do a second round of interviews, but they decided on the main interview that they wanted me. And so I, I got the job and I was working in Japan. Um, and the, the ukulele, was it something that, you know, you you picked up as a kid or something no. that came out no no um a friend had given me a ukulele because guitar was really difficult <laughs> and so he thought oh ukulele will be easier for you but uh when i was majoring in music at cal poly um i was on financial aid and grants and loans and scholarships and everything and i thought if i'm paying for the education i want to take as many classes as i can like i want to milk this and so i had no free time i was taking uh like a course load and a half like almost a double course load mm -hmm. and uh well the universities have a cap on how many units you can take because mm. students, when they have too much of a unit course load, either they fail or they commit suicide or they <laughs> need psychological help. And so they have a cap. And so I was right at the cap at the most units I could take. And so I didn't have time for the ukulele. So it became a wall hanging. When I moved to Japan and I was going to teach music, I was so excited to teach music to Japanese children because in my mind, I thought, oh, these are prodigies. Yeah. And they're going to be great. And I got there and they had uh, little xylophones and maracas, like little egg shakers. And they said, okay, this is your music class. And they had a CD player. And basically what they wanted me to do was push playback on the songs and kind of karaoke style they would sing. <laughs> and I thought, that's not music education. This is kind of okay. Like, yeah. no way am I going to teach this. Children can do much more than that. And I had just been teaching band, you know, like yeah. flutes and saxophones and marching and like all of the fun stuff and I thought I can't do this like I did not move all the way over here to do this and so I did a little quick budget proposal for 15 ukuleles half a class set and they bought them because it was a private school and they had the resources too and the kids loved them they loved them and then I made a request for pianos and then I made a request for guitars and I started building this little ensemble where we had all of these instruments in the classroom and um even though it was really fun to work at this Okinawan school in Japan, and it, even though it was international and half the staff was internationals, mm -hmm. like people from all these different countries, um, I started feeling burnt out because uh, we were working under the Japanese system. Okay. And the Japanese uh, work ethic is really different. And, uh, and I was getting burnt out. And so I decided I need to, I need to work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And the thought of leaving my children was really sad. And so I decided to start a YouTube channel so that they could continue learning with me, ukulele, but I would be away from them. And yeah. so they could, we could keep in touch that way. And I made the channel before leaving that school. And the kids started really liking when I played my videos in the classroom. Even though I was in the classroom, <laughs> they wanted to watch me teach from YouTube. Yeah, That was more entertaining to them. If I was in front of them teaching, I would have most of them listening. But when I pushed play on a video that I had recorded saying exactly the same things, all of them were paying attention. Yeah. And I thought, wow, the screen is really, really resonating with the kids of this age. And instead of rejecting it and being like, oh, there's nothing like human contact, I thought, no, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. So I would record the lessons, push play on YouTube, and then I would walk around the classroom and help the kids who needed individual help. Oh, okay. So it was like having two of me in the classroom. <laughs> And then people started watching the videos and saying like, wow, you teach at a really slow pace. And I was teaching at a slow pace because my students were learning English as a second language. Oh. And they were elementary kids. So I had to teach really slowly and one thing at a time, like yeah. just one concept per video. And so the world started noticing the channel and it started growing.
that that's way. Crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. 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 So, so that's how, yeah. Cause one of my questions was like, how, oh, how or when did you, you know, decide to start a YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's crazy. That's the, the reason and mm-hmm. how you started it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, cause I was looking at, at the, at the videos and, um, you know, you have really inter- like beginners mm-hmm. courses. Yes. So, do you do you have people that have reached out to you that, that have been like, you know what? Because of you, I had never played a ukulele, but now I'm, you know. Oh yeah, I get those daily, oh. every day, every oh. day. Um, so I was growing on the channel, and I decided to go part time, and I started working at Kadena Air Force Base in Okinawa. But now I was working under the U.S. government with U.S. like politics and ethics and everything mm. and so i was more much more comfortable with that um i guess the biggest hurdle with the japanese system is that you have your work hours eight to five if you arrive at eight you're late and if you leave at five you're leaving early and so i thought oh wow well, then i need to get here earlier and leave later but i was doing the same amount of work and i it wasn't until about a year into the job that I realized, like, no, you just kind of go to work early. You have breakfast. You socialize. You work a little bit, and then you take a nap, and then you work a little bit, and then you go and have lunch with friends. Like, it's a very much, like, you kind of live at work, and mm-hmm. you enjoy the life at work. And if you're taking a nap at work, it's because you're working so hard. Whereas I'm the kind of person that, like, if you're at work, you're working. You know, you do socialize a bit here by the water cooler, but, like, you're working. Yeah. Work hours are work hours. And so I was getting exhausted. And so I went to work at Kadena Air Force Base, and that was an American school for American children. And uh, and they respected the hours. I was supposed to be there at 12 and leave at 3.30. And so because it was a part-time job, I was able to dedicate full-time effort into YouTube. And the channel was starting to grow. It grew to like 2,000 subscribers. And um, by January, it had hit 7,000 subscribers. It was a New Year's resolution from 2018, 2017. And the next January, I had 7,000, which to me felt like a world of subscribers. (laughs) And then by the summer of that year, a year and a half into it, I'm like at 15,000 subscribers and I'm getting kind of annoyed that it's not growing faster because in my mind, I knew it was going to be big. I just needed to find the video or the videos that would make it. And then I had this idea, like I should make a 30 day uke challenge for beginners starting from day one, how to hold it. And day two, how to tune each string. And that's it. That's all I would teach on day two. And then day three, just how to hold one of the strings to make one chord. And I thought, but by day 30, you're playing that really famous Somewhere Over the Rainbow song by the Hawaiian, the big Hawaiian guy that everyone has seen. And so I thought, this is a good principle, right? Begin with the end in mind. It's one of the seven habits of highly effective people. And I thought, if I can kind of backwards organize this challenge to start somewhere so simple and end somewhere so attractive like Mm. that's what people want to play when they play the ukulele they want to have that in their repertoire i thought if i do this it's going to be a hit but there was one contradiction on youtube when you publish content almost too frequently you lose a little bit of the viewership yeah and so i was going to go against that you know and publish a video a day for a whole month and I committed to it and I marketed it and I promoted it and everything. And then I got a little scared, like, oh, what if I do day one and nobody shows up? But I was like, no, you can't think like that. Like, think about how this 
content on YouTube lives for years and years mm. and years. And so hopefully it will continue yeah. to. But I did it anyway. And I had 500 to 700 daily participants coming every single day to participate in wow. the challenge. And this was in September of last year. And by February, four months later, five months later, I hit the 100K mark. Wow. And next week we'll we'll hit 150,000. So uh, it grew over 100,000 in that time. Wow. And uh, we've just started our second 30-day mm. challenge. And this one picks up where the last one left off. So it's not for beginners. It's for, like, once you know how to plan, you hit that plateau of, like, what do I do next? Yeah. I don't know what to do next. That's where we're starting now. Yeah, it was because I was watching that one and I was like... <laughs> And I heard you say like, oh, if you're if you're a beginner, this is mm-hmm. not, you know, go back and, and watch that yeah. little one. Yeah. And that was risky, too, because beginner videos are the, the low hanging fruit. Um, and since many people on YouTube are not uh, educators who've taught in the classroom, they don't have that experience of seeing where people fail. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the advantages that I had going into this is that I'm a teacher first, musician second, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of the people on YouTube are musicians first and teachers second. And they develop that. And through the comments, they get feedback on how to improve and how to teach something better. But I had seen what students mess up. Something as simple as like when they're holding the ukulele, girls with long hair will have the, the, the hair over the strings and they'll be wondering why it's not ringing, thinking that they're holding it incorrectly or there's something wrong with the hands. And all I have to do is move the hair and it rings like yeah. a bell. You know, little things like that that I've mentioned in my videos that is you have to be in front of people to know those are little mistakes that beginners make. And so that that made the series so successful. And I developed a following of teachers mm. because they wanted to learn from another teacher. And they wanted that structure. Like every day, I know what I'm going to do. There's objectives. There's a goal. And then there's a long-term goal. So yeah. there's a daily goal and there's a long-term goal. And my master's degree is in curriculum and instruction. How to design a course and how to create educational materials. And so I thought, this mm. is where I'm really going to flex my muscle and where I'm put my studies to the test. And so I created a resource that you print out that helps you mm. with the videos. And I made it free. I thought, I'm just going to give it away. Mm. I'm just going to put it out there because mm. this is this is how I'm going to grow. Like I had faith it would work and it did. Yeah. And now that I've done meetups with subscribers, they come with that resource and they're like, can you please sign oh, it? Wow, and so, crazy. yeah, like, I mean, I'm a teacher. You know, it's so crazy that somebody would want me to sign anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you yeah. go to your science teacher. Can you sign my textbook? Like <laughs> they would be so confused. Yeah, that's how I feel. But it worked. Yeah. And, it's, and I think it's because um, I mean, you feel that way because you i don't think you initially wanted to be a you know that wasn't your goal like to be a youtuber or to have this following right it was just like to teach people and i i mean i don't know i want to think back to see like did i do it with fame in mind i mean everyone when when you upload a video you hope people will see it you know everyone has that like when you buy a lot of ticket you you know you're probably not going to be a millionaire but you kind of hope yeah like oh my god if it did happen this is what i would do yeah you always go to the what if yeah 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 yeah. and so uploading those videos i thought like what if nah it's Mm. not gonna happen you know i didn't feel that way until the 30 day uke challenge hashtag 30 day you challenge <laughs> but until that happened and then i thought this could actually become something you know and i could actually make a living from this yeah and so i i did it and i that's when i went full-time i'm like i need to be 100 percent on this and dedicate myself to it so um because i mean i've done youtube like me and my son did youtube 
and and I and I say did because I was recently we we haven't done a video in a while. I mean, we yeah. did one a, like a month ago. Yeah. And but we we hadn't done a video in a while. Yeah. And since we did it, we started when he was like five or mm-hmm. not even. He was like yeah, yeah. he was barely gonna be five, and now he's gonna be eleven. So like, mm. um, we 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 stopped making videos for a while, and then in that gap, he grew a lot. His voice changed. <laughs> so when we were doing our last video, I was like, dude, like when <laughs> when I show you this video, you're gonna see the difference in yeah. like your physical appearance and your voice. And but but I think that he's kind of growing out of the you know me and him making videos, Aww. and so it's kind of like bittersweet yeah, because you uh, it. <laughs> yeah. And but the, the thing is that you know we've been doing it for so long, and and so at the beginning it was more of a you know having something to for me and him to like kind of do, mm-hmm. and I've always liked you know creating stuff, mm-hmm. um, and since I since he was like. He was like really into YouTube. He's still really into YouTube. Yeah. Um, I thought you know it would be a good a good thing for me and him to do. Maybe if he wants, he can share the videos with his friends, and you know, you know, right. maybe get a little following, right? Because yeah. I mean, I, I did I did think like you know maybe, and because in the at the beginning I was like you know if we ever you know make any money I'll give it to you or save it for mm-hmm. college or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you know in five years we've done like five hundred videos and and um, you know we never got like. You know, we have like 300 subscribers, so like, yeah. like it's crazy. Like for me to think that you know, like, you started as oh, I'm gonna show these you know videos to my class, yeah. and then it went to like to this like snowball where yeah. like, and now you're at 150,000. I'm like, right. wow, it's crazy. Like, right. I mean, to me, it's been like, especially when I see your 30 day challenges. Like for a while, I wanted to do um, videos every day, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, it was so stressful. Like, because yeah. we started doing um today in history videos so we would get oh, cool. we would get facts mm-hmm. and um we would talk about the facts people's mm-hmm. birthdays and stuff like that so like <laughs> it was a daily thing yeah but like for me to like look for the facts look for pictures to put on the videos and mm-hmm. ed- edit and upload mm-hmm. like it was the like editing the yeah editing. yeah I, I think that people don't really understand because a lot of people say like oh he makes videos on youtube <laughs> They don't really understand how much mm-hmm. work goes into, mm-hmm. and I, I was looking at yours, and, and you know, there's a lot of like, um, you know, you have where, where it's you, where it's your hands, and then you have the notes and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you do all that yourself. Yeah, yeah. This the screen is divided, so there's the image of me playing it, and then there's a close up of my hands. So that's another shot, a mm-hmm. different camera angle, and then there's of course the audio, and then the music that we're doing or the whatever concept I'm talking about. The screen is split in several parts, and um, when the when the channel started picking up, I did get an editor to help me with some of the videos and so the editor was doing about half of them and I was doing another half and I picked someone from the community that had editing skills because I thought I need someone who knows me and who has Mm -hmm. consumed my content as just a fan to help me make the content and um and then what happened was I started getting disconnected from my own channel because I was filming and then just sending it away and then I had gotten someone to make the printable resources. So I would just tell them what mm. song and then I would send it away and just wait for it to come, which I thought was the dream. I thought if I'm just in front of the camera teaching and I send all the work stuff out, then I'll be great. I started making less stuff instead of making more, which is now I had more time. I started making less yeah. and I started being less invested in the comments and less invested in what people had to say. And I thought, oh, wow, I need to go back and be doing like the, the dirty work of yeah. this. You know, I need to be doing the editing and 
like those putting all of those hours into it and one minute of video takes about one hour of work and so a 10 minute video is about 10 hours yeah. of work and if you're thinking about like how many videos i have to put out this month and they're all about seven minutes long that's a lot of work that's going into it and most of it is editing mm. you know yeah because yeah, the shooting <laughs> part is you know i guess quote unquote the easy part yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's it's fun. going back to like when people say like oh yeah he makes videos but yeah if you think about it you're like your own like production yes. company yes because i mean you have to do some kind of a script like mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. um you know lighting mm-hmm. audio mm-hmm. um edit like all this stuff like even promotion mm-hmm. i mean even like creating a thumbnail can be a pain in the butt sometimes yes and then once the video is filmed and once it's edited and once it's done quote-unquote you're not done like you have to upload it and then you have to share it everywhere you can and try and get people to watch and then when people are watching you have to engage with the comments at least if you really want your community to feel cared for and Mm. if you want them to feel noticed and come back you know if you want them to come back and create the loyal following for me, I feel like sometimes the work begins after Afterward, the yeah. video is posted. Yeah. And then uh, and I try to share intentionally. So you won't see all of my videos shared on my Facebook page or even on my Instagram page or even on my feed. My Instagram feed looks nothing like my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It's really different because I don't I want to be intentional with mm-hmm. what I'm sharing. You know, mm-hmm. No one likes being like told, go click on this and go watch this on this other platform. Like, no, I'm on Instagram. I want to be on Instagram. I'm yeah. on YouTube. I want to be on YouTube, you <laughs> know? So, yeah, it's a lot of work that happens even after the video is published. Mm-hmm. No, and even like with like with me with the podcast, like it's, it's you know, yeah. editing the, uh, the audio whenever I do the video. Um, and for some reason, a lot of people um, like watching the podcast, you know, the video format instead of listening right, to it. Right. Like to me, it's better like, to listen to it because like you have it on your phone you're mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. you're driving you hit it on, on the mm-hmm. radio or whatnot but a lot of people are like hey when are you gonna upload like this episode i'm like right. you know what yeah. i'll do it you know go listen to the mm-hmm. audio version but you see like joe rogan's got his podcast and and sometimes i'm listening to it and i'm like no 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 i have to see this guy like who he's interviewing yeah. and i want to see the facial expressions because so much happens between the the, yeah. the spoken part you and, know and i guess for him it works because uh, well, I mean, he's got millions of subscribers. Of course, of course yeah. I, I don't have that many subscribers, and to me, like, I get a little bit of of, of a sponsorship when they go to the audio oh. because I do it through Anchor. So Anchor, you know, lets me put in a little commercial from mm-hmm. them on my on my audio. Yeah. So like, they give me. I mean, it's not a lot, but you know, every little bit counts, right? Right. And maybe like whenever I get the thousand subscribers on YouTube, then I'll probably like. Mm-hmm. do it on, on a regular mm-hmm. basis but yeah but i mean even that that's like a self-feeding loop like you're not putting it on youtube so you're not going to gain the subscribers you know it's one of those things like yeah you have to put the count at least in my opinion you have to show people what you're making mm-hmm. and it you know be okay with it being free at first but but to me i feel that i would rather because um here in the valley, I feel like not not a lot of people listen to podcasts, and there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts that there's a podcast for everybody out there, and I feel like right. I would rather you know the community, you know, get more used to this platform than mm-hmm. the video platform, mm-hmm. um, because it's so much easier to to yeah. listen to. You know, like I said, like if you're out walking your dog, you know, get yeah. Up. Well, it's easy for you, but mm. you never know. You yeah. never know what's out there. Yeah, and I mean. For me, I thought like, okay, YouTube is going to be my my main thing and I'm going to make YouTube content. And then I started hearing about how Instagram is a great marketing tool. 
I thought, I don't want to do another thing. Like, I'll just put bits of my video on yeah. Instagram. And that wasn't really helping. And it wasn't really taking off. I had like 700 followers and I thought like, this is not worth it. Like, why am I spending so much time and energy to put into a platform where I don't have a lot of followers? And then I, I don't, I don't care. Like, I want to grow my YouTube. And then something clicked for me. I don't know what it was. I think it was the NAM show, which is the National Association of Music Merchants. And it's a show in LA I was invited to. And basically it's all of the brands that are making new products for the year. And then all of the distributors. So you have the manufacturers and you have the distributors and you have the retailers and they're all sharing what's coming for the next year and they invite artists to play the, that instrument or that new piece of technology so that it sounds good and it's appealing to the mm -hmm. buyers and the retailers. So it's this whole like cycle, this ecosystem that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. And in that world, Instagram is where all the brands were at. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I need if I if I want to make this uh, a business, I need to work collaboratively with the brands. And there are certain brands that I want to notice me and they're not going to watch a 10 minute YouTube video. Yeah. They're going to look they're going to scroll through an Instagram photo though or through a 10 30 60 second video. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take Instagram seriously this year and I'm going to start uploading content for Instagram. And that's when it happened. It just started growing and growing and growing. Now we're at, I don't know, 27,000 maybe, something like that. And uh, getting 500,000 impressions per week, which oh. is insane. Yeah. And all of the brand deals that I've landed were because they saw me on Instagram and then went to YouTube. So putting out the content in Instagram where I don't get monetization, it had to be a leap of faith. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm going to make this content and I'm not really going to reap a reward except for the, you know, the dopamine effect I get from getting new followers. But there's not going to be a monetary incentive. But you know what? I'm going to reach more people. Yeah. And those people are going to be curious about it and then come to the YouTube channel. Uh -huh. And that's that's where it happened. And yeah, so th that's what I've been trying to do. I'm not really good at um, <laughs> Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. But I kind of follow a lot of people that I'm, um, I want to try and reach out to. Yeah. And, you know, hey, teach me how to, it'll be cool like you on Instagram. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Carla, Carla um, Cordero, I, I said, mm -hmm. you know, the... Yeah. She, she does really good, you know, stuff on, on Instagram. Um, there's this other guy from Calexico, um, Teto, and was, he works at H&M. Okay. He does some really good um, 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 Instagram stories. Um, so, yeah, I'm, tr I'm meaning to, like, reach You'll out to, to them. You'll have to share them with me after this because yeah. I want to follow them. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Instagram has been, like, something that I, I really want to, like, start mm -hmm. doing because yeah. I, I see, like, a lot of people, like, especially the young crowd that are, you know, mm -hmm. into yeah. into Instagram. And, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to, especially here, go, I wanted to ask you this. Um, I don't know how long you've been back here in the Valley, but do you mm -hmm. feel that, that people here aren't as, you know, um, YouTube savvy or... Um, or you know, people on it, like follow people on Instagram, or, or, or all these um, um, what was the word that we used earlier? Um, influencers, you know, <laughs> do they follow? Because I feel like a lot of people don't really, you know, mm. do YouTube. Like they're, I guess, busy with other things, or still busy with, you know, regular TV or cable. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I'm, I don't have um, cable at home. All we do is watch YouTube all day. Like mm -hmm. me and my, me and my kid. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, my parents. Uh, they didn't know they could just put YouTube on the TV and just watch whatever. Yeah. So now that they know, like they found out yesterday, that's all that's been playing. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think the valley is a very interesting place because we all believe that there isn't something that really is here. It's just hidden. Like, I had no idea that there was a podcast here. <laughs> I had no idea. And had I known, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, let's collab. Yeah. You know, let's work together. I would have reached out to you yeah. because that's really unique. You're a creator in my community. And so I would have loved to know that. I had no idea mm. until you reached out. So yeah. thank you for reaching out. No, no, thank you for being there. I, I have to... And it's happened more recently that there are the things that I think like, oh, well, I think everyone wants to watch an educational video on YouTube and not on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then there are the things that like I test. And so just like I tested making a daily video for YouTube every single day, which kind of went against what I thought would work, but it worked. And then on Instagram, my videos are all play alongs. And I thought, who's going to stop for 60 seconds to watch a play along? Turns out thousands of people yeah. will do it thousands of people will do it and one of the things that i read because i read a lot of business books and marketing books going into this i would do one a week um it was like you have to go where your audience is at and where is your audience hanging out and mm. i don't know of anyone that doesn't have the instagram app in their phone and so that means they're yeah. following people yeah they're following somebody yeah and i think that applies for people in the valley yeah. they might not be following valley creators because they don't know that they're here mm -hmm. and we don't have a lot of platforms that shine, shine a light on mm. those creators. But then I'll meet people like you and people like Ankel from Rico Lexico. And they'll tell me, like, there's these people in the rally that have all these hundred thousand subscribers. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, what? Where are they? And yeah. how can I meet them? So I think we're here and hidden. Mm. And I think we need to collab more. Yeah. And I, th and I think for a while I was like that, um, where, I, you know, I follow the people that I follow because, you know, they would show up on my YouTube feed or right. on my, you know. Yeah. Um, but now, especially with Instagram, what I've been doing is just going like hashtag Imperial Valley or mm -hmm. hashtag Calexico yeah. and, you know, looking for people. Like a lot of the people that, that, that I've interviewed recently have been mm -hmm. people that I found on Instagram that I've been like, oh, this person's awesome. cool. Like, you know, they're yeah. making some really cool art or mm -hmm. really cool poetry. And, right. you know, like mm -hmm. Carla, that's Carla Cordero is one of my probably one of my favorite guests that I've had. Mm -hmm. um, and I followed her. I saw her on, on this random picture on on Instagram, I think it was only her feet like walking down 98. And so I was, you're, on, you're into feet pics, huh? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I went, I saw her feet, and then I went into the her feet, and you know, I followed her. I saw that she she was a poet, and she writes some really good, cool poetry mm -hmm. from you know from Calexico, and, and you know, I relate with you know the mm -hmm. stuff that she was talking talking yeah. about, and and she's really uh, you know, I guess what really attracted me to her was her activism that mm -hmm. that 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 need to you know um, share her her Chicana pride and, right. and you know her right. roots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people here in the valley that are you know that are you know doing that. And you know, me being from Calexico, I was like, man, I, I don't even feel that way. And now that I see it, like, I want to feel that way. So right. so yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of people out there that are like like hitting that you yeah. know even me that i felt like uh you know i know my youtube i know my mm -hmm. social media like i didn't even know them so it's, it's right i mean you're finding people that you mm -hmm. didn't know about yeah you know? yeah like you know like yourself like you know i was like man i can't believe like she has a hundred and something thousand subscribers on youtube i'm like wow and i'm right crazy. here yeah it's <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah and i mean i have to thank uncle for that from Mika Lexico because he found me i yeah. don't know how he found me but he found me when i wasn't even living here yet he just found that i was from here Col yeah 
And then he said, when you're here, uh, come and stop by and interview. But I didn't even know it was a he. I didn't know if it was a, a woman, a child, a teenager. I had no idea who mm. I was contacting. I was, but I was flattered that it was from Icalexico. You know, I was like, this is awesome. Someone from where I'm from wants to collab. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but it's time to pay some bills. So here's a word from one of our sponsors. All right. So now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Yeah. And then um, I got invited to perform at the Art Walk. And so I thought, I'll perform at the Art Walk. And then Calexico Chronicle put a photo of me playing at, on the Art Walk on the front page. I was on the bottom fold, so not that cool. But okay. still, I was on the front page. Yeah. And then they so you were at the, this last one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I performed. Awesome. I was wearing like this extravagant white dress. And okay. like it was windy that day, so it, was, yeah. it looked really awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was there, but I was... Um, I was uh, drinking, the f number one, I was drinking, <laughs> and number two, I was looking How at... How did you get a drink? The lines were so long. <laughs> um, I, I think they were all going for, like, the coarse light, and I was going for the craft beer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're a man of taste. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, I was also looking at the art. Um, there's this guy that I interviewed, um, Fernando Reza. Uh -huh. He's from El Centro, and he's he had some really cool art. I don't mm -hmm. know if you saw that. Andy Ruiz, kind of like the, a children's book cover. Uh, that's uh, you know how Andy Ruiz was, oh, right? It's, oh, it's ringing about the, the boxer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there was a um, he made this really cool poster of, of Andy Ruiz as mm -hmm. a you know how those baby books and you know if you see you'd be like oh okay yeah I, I know what you're talking about okay but he's he's done stuff for like Marvel and 20th Century Fox. Oh yes, 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 yes. So mm -hmm. I was looking at his stuff um mm -hmm. at the at the Art Walk and I actually interviewed him like a couple of weeks later. So That's awesome. So um yeah, I mean even even like the Art Walks is something that Angel you know kind of started yeah. it and and you know he's bringing you know the, the community yeah. together and bringing all these mm -hmm. artists and you know getting a lot of people to see um and mm -hmm. you know it's, it's the it's, event was huge too yeah. Yeah, i was, was so impressed yeah I, I had never been to an art walk mm -hmm. or but that time i was like you know what i'm gonna go out oh there. this was your first one too yeah yeah this was my first one i got to perform there and the sweetest thing happened at that art walk okay so i'm up there for my set i play my thing and then Next to the stage are my former students from Frank Wright, from when I was oh, that middle wow. school teacher, that first job that I landed. And they're holding instruments. And I look at them like, what are you doing? And they said, we're next. Oh, <laughs> and wow. So they performed a set after I had performed. And like my teacher heart just exploded. Like I felt like my heart didn't fit in my body. I was so oh, wow. proud. And so I what's the name that. of their, their band? Or? Oh, I'm a bad teacher. I didn't even ask them the name oh, of okay. their band, but they played Japanese denim and a few other songs, and I was so proud of them. Oh, okay, I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm. A, they're they're gonna they're gonna give me crap because I didn't know the name of their <laughs> band. But yeah. yeah, but shout out to Alfonso and Richie. Love you guys. <laughs> um, going back to you know how you started your your YouTube video for your students yeah. and and mm -hmm. do you still have contact with them or? Oh, so I um when I was working in Okinawa. I learned that the Japanese have an educational system that's really different to ours. It's really standardized. And at first, I rejected it. You know, the independent thinker American in me was like, no, each teacher should educate their students and kind of take it at their own pace and you adjust according to your kids. Uh -huh. But in Japan, they have these textbooks and everyone in Japan is teaching the same thing at the same week. And so, and you're following the same textbook. And while I rejected that at first... Whenever I had a student move and a new student would come in from another part of Japan, they knew exactly where we were. And I thought, oh, 
that saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And the Japanese are known for their efficiency. This yeah. is an efficient system. And I realized that the kids had Japanese music books. And I was a little bit, even though the school said you do not have to teach the Japanese music book from the <coughs> book because you're, you're not Japanese, you don't speak Japanese. I yeah. thought, they're in fourth grade. I can learn enough. I can, I can learn enough and kids will rise to the occasion. If I ask for their help, I can, I can, we can do this as yeah. a class. And so I started, um, I started using first the playback CDs that I rejected at first. And then I started learning the syllabary because there's just not an alphabet. It's a syllabary. So each character represents a, a set of syllables. Mm-hmm. And I thought I can learn this. And so I learned the syllable syllables. And then I started learning a few kanji and I thought, okay, this is not that scary. And I had the kids there to help me. And so I started teaching the Japanese music and the kids. And then I thought, okay, if the kids can do the Japanese and they can do the English songs, they can do Spanish because Spanish and Japanese syllables sound a lot alike. Mm. Like a, i, u, e, o are the Japanese syllables. Oh. And then everything is kind of built on that. Gaki, kukeko, sashi, suceso. So I was like, wow, the kids will be able to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so I taught Guantanamera and La oh, Bamba. Wow. And so I had these Japanese kids and in our concert we sang in three languages and it was really awesome. Wow. And so because we had such a unique relationship, uh, the, when, even when I left the school, the kids continued contacting me and now they're older they're not elementary kids now they're middle school and high school Mm. and so they have instagram now and they have twitter and they have facebook and so they friend requested me and um even though in my training they always said like you have to draw boundaries and Mm. keep your students away from your social media when i traveled and taught in china the chinese teachers were the opposite they they were allowed to have personal relationships with their students and the expectation was that they would have that personal relationship their whole life. Oh, okay. And so when I was working with master teachers in China and we were traveling around China, she would post on her QQ, which is like the Chinese Facebook, like, oh, I'm going to be in the city. Are any of you all there? And so this like 40 year old man that she had 25 years ago oh, as a wow. student will roll up in his Audi and like pick us up and take us out to eat. Dang. And so I thought. You know, that's why you're a teacher <laughs> for the it's like delayed, but, you know, the, yeah. it comes back around. Yeah. And so I thought, I think I'll have a happy balance. I won't be friends with my kids now, but I'll leave a line of communication between us where as they grow, I can see them grow. And if they need me or if I need them, we'll be there for each other. And so mm-hmm. I thought I, Instagram is that happy medium for me. Like, yeah. There's not a lot of personal uh-huh. stuff on there. They have Instagram. I have Instagram. And and it's not too much, but it's just enough for us to keep a line of communication. Mm. And so I've used Instagram to keep in touch with the students from here, the ones from Japan. It used to be the ones in China, but I think Instagram got blocked over there. So, um. yeah, I'm hoping China will open up and <laughs> allow Instagram again. But, yeah, that's how I keep in touch with my students. Mm, okay. Um, and going going to the ukulele um mm-hmm. I was watching one of your videos and say you said ukulele and then you said ukulele. Mm-hmm. So there's you know there's like this friction yeah. between people who say it. Yeah. Oh, are you sure you want to go controversial on this podcast? <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the ukulele is like supposed to be like from Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. It's the Hawaiian instrument. Um, even though it's made by Portuguese people. <laughs> um, uh, and so 
people will get really passionate about the pronunciation and they'll say it's pronounced ukulele, you know, like mm. the, the Hawaiian way. And then I go to Japan and they say ukulele because they don't have the L sound. Mm-hmm. It's ukulele, like dede. So I thought, and, and for them it's fine. And then I come to America and most people say ukulele and uke. And then other people will be like, that's not how it's said. It's ukulele. <laughs> and I think, does it matter? It doesn't matter. And so in some of my videos where I say ukulele, all you see the comments and people will say like, you're pronouncing it wrong. You call yourself a teacher. And I think it really, anywhere you are in the world, it's going to be said different. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and it's, it's still the same instrument. And so I'm not one of those people that like really cares. Like I'm not going to be an activist for the correct pronunciation yeah. of the instrument. If you wanted to, I guess ukulele would be the more original way, you know, but... So how how would a Portuguese person? Yeah, probably ukulele closer to the Spanish sounding one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I have Portuguese friends and they call it a uke. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, potatoes, potatoes, right? Right, right. You're still gonna eat them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And how is the ukulele different from like a guitar, like a regular re- guitar? Okay, so um, the ukulele has been kind of perceived as a toy for a long time. And it hasn't been until fairly recently that you've had legitimate virtu- virtuoso players like play, play it like amazingly well. Mm-hmm. And so now it's gained a lot more recognition as a instrument. And over the course of history, the ukulele has had trends like where it gets really popular and then it dies and then it gets really popular and then it dies. And so now it's kind of i think it's here to stay i might just be saying that because my job kind of depends on that but i think it's here, uh, right because um it's being used it's being re- it's the instrument that is replacing the recorder in classrooms mm. so you know how we all used to learn recorder right and so now the shift has moved to ukulele because it's not driving music teachers crazy you know yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. kids stick the recorder up their nose and like it's just <laughs> yeah it's a mess but with a ukulele you can teach melody and rhythm and harmony and chords and it's a pleasant sound you know if yeah. the ukulele is tuned it sounds pleasant even if you're not really playing much and so uh and it, it prepares people for the guitar. So the ukulele has four strings. And a traditional, I guess, ukulele tuning, you have a high string first and then a low one. So on a guitar, usually you the, the string that's closest to your face is the lowest sounding. Mm-hmm. And then they go higher sounding as you get closer to the floor. But on the ukulele, you have that high one first and then a low one. Mm. And then a middle one and then a higher one. Uh-huh. So the intonation is different. Of course, you can change the string. Some people prefer to make this string lower. And mm. so they'll, this is called a G. It's a G string. And they'll get a low <laughs> G string. <laughs> and so some people do change it. But um, I brought one with traditional tuning today just so that I could show that. Mm, okay. And uh, guitar has usually six strings. Of course, you have some with more. Mm. Um, but ukulele usually has four. And you pick... Um picked that up like when you went to Okinawa right right so the ukulele my friend had given me I had taken it with mm. me and then I thought okay maybe ukulele is what my Japanese students can hold because they were tiny tiny mm. elementary kids and Japanese they were tiny yeah. and I thought okay if they can hold a ukulele then uh, we're, we can do some stuff and and they started learning and picking it up because um, 
in Japan, music is such a big part of life. And in, I, I mean, it's just valued. Whereas the arts traditionally in the States have been one of those things we remove when we're low on funding. Yeah. And even though people really value it, you know, people really care about the arts. If you didn't care, you wouldn't listen to the radio. You wouldn't have a radio in your car. You wouldn't have an auxiliary cable, right? Because yeah. we love music. But for some reason, in the educational system, when we're low on money, we're like, okay, well, we got to scratch the arts. Yeah. And in Japan, the arts have just are such a big priority. It's part of culture. Mm. And everyone has to learn music, at least to some extent. And to be able to sing in key is just something that any Japanese person that I encountered could do. I was just wondering, like, oh, my goodness, no wonder you guys love karaoke. Like, yeah. You cannot sing. Yeah, of course you sing. like it. <laughs> so um, I... I I could play a little bit just because I had been a music major here at Cal Poly, but I started really learning when I was in Okinawa and all of a sudden I had to teach it. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, ooh, I need to learn some easy songs for kids to learn. And then the kids started doing better and better and I had to stay ahead of them, you know, because kids have time. They go home and they have time and yeah. they have dedication and they have that focus like, oh, I want to learn this, so I'm going to keep going. And so I had to stay on top of it. And then I realized, wait a second. I don't have to be better than my kids. I can let them be better too. And I need to be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And I should be proud of that, that my students are getting better than me. Yeah. And so I let go. And the kids just blossomed. And I was learning from them. They were learning from me. And um, and yeah, so that's where I kind of picked up the ukulele more and more and more. And then my subscribers started asking for songs, song tutorials, which I hadn't done before. I was just teaching concepts, like how to play a chord and how to play several chords at the same time like or one after the other called a chord progression and and that's what i was teaching and how to strum it and where do you put your nail and you know mm. all those little things and people started saying well we want a song tutorial <laughs> and i thought you don't want to hear me sing baby <laughs> they said we don't care how you sing we just want a song tutorial and so it was because of the subscribers in the channel and people requesting things that i started kind of branching out of my comfort zone and doing more yeah mm -hmm. um do you think that somebody needs a like a high quality ukulele to learn how to play it or no no but also the toy ones and sometimes the ones that you see at retail stores um won't hold tune and so what i look for when i'm looking for a quality ukulele is i want something that where the tuners will hold because sometimes I'll tighten and then the strings will be so tense that they'll loosen. And then another thing that I'm looking for is the action. And so that's the height from the string to the fingerboard. If that height is, is too high, then it's going to be painful when you play a chord. And so those are the two kind of basics that I look for. Will it hold tune and will it be comfortable to play? Because if it's not comfortable to play, which is what I see in a lot of the cheapo ukes, then you're not going to play it because it's not going to be rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, there are the $40, $50 ukuleles that I recommend for the people who are on a budget or for the people that are from countries where $40, $50 is a lot of money, you know, and so they have to save up for it. Um, but that's another reason why I host a lot of giveaways in my channel. There's always a giveaway going on. And I first didn't want to do giveaways because I didn't want to attract people just for the giveaway component. But as I started seeing people upload videos of themselves playing what I was teaching, I thought if they had a better uke, this would be so much easier for yeah. them. I would see them struggling holding the strings and see a little pain, but they were pushing past it because they were so determined. And so I would contact brands and say, hey, can we send this person a uke? 
and like i mean i'll make video and i'll do the marketing part that i know you want because you want to seem nice like yeah. it's fine like i will play your game too but mm. you know the goal is to get these people yukes that really need yukes and so they would say yes and um so i don't think you need a expensive uke to really be successful with the instrument but you do need one that works mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have you done any like um uh kind of like uh, a, a video where you say like oh this is a good intermediate mm -hmm. intermediate budget mm -hmm. or budget one mm -hmm. or i mean yeah so um i've actually received a lot of pushback on that uh <laughs> from okay so in the ukulele community you have uh most people are just like the instrument cheerful and sweet and kind and a little shy mm -hmm. you know like the instrument and the people they're very similar very sweet or friendly um, but you also have the people who really respect and honor the instrument and they're like, they care a lot. And so when I started recommending like the good old $60 Amazon ukulele, they started thinking, who is this lady? She doesn't know how to make instruments. Why is she recommending these instruments? She has no grounds. They must be paying her, which I wasn't doing reviews for pay or for mm. money. And so I started popping up in the forums like do not buy the ukuleles this woman recommends she has no grounds and then like the artist and the performer in me was like oh, i'm being rejected and like i cried about it <laughs> but then i would get more traffic <laughs> so i thought oh it's the kardashian effect you know? <laughs> the more people hate you the more people love you yeah exactly and so i thought okay so haters kind of help you grow you gotta you know you and when you grow you get more of the bad but so much more of the good. Yeah, because right? there's sometimes where pe people are going to go to your channel because of hater and end up liking your <laughs> channel, right? <laughs> so Yeah, I get that. And um, I've told my people, like, don't defend me when you see a comment like that. Don't, don't, yeah. like, don't touch it. Don't, don't do anything. Because I don't want the haters to get bigger. So now um, I released a signature ukulele with a brand. Like, oh, wow. a brand made one with my name on it. Oh, wow, that's cool. And uh, and when we were designing the ukulele and everything, um, I I decided to go with a model that had been liked by many people, and so we used the same model, but the design, the look, and the strings were going to be better. And so I decided to add a strap button so that people could put a strap on, which hadn't been seen in a lot of ukuleles. And my beginners struggle with holding the instrument; it would mm. slip. And so I thought we're going to eliminate that by adding a strap button. And then I wanted higher quality strings and i wanted it the design to be so 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 cute and different and so i decided that the design would be uh cherry blossoms to commemorate my time in japan because no. i feel like i changed so much while i was in japan and the channel started when i was in japan and i thought let's make a cherry blossom ukulele but instead of having it be all pink it's gonna be like the dawn like the dark blue background when like the sun is just about to come out so it's going to be a dark blue ombre effect from the headstock to the body like and then the pink cherry blossoms to contrast and it was so popular and even men purchased it which oh, really? i loved because it was that dark color too yeah. and then i had some haters saying like you did not come up with this design like this is not bernadette's design and so i told my followers like do not fight back yeah. do not comment back let it be let it be because mm. i don't want this to turn into this toxic community like us against them you mm. know like the more the ukulele community grows the more it grows yeah. it's better for everyone yeah and so um that was quite an experience it was a learning experience and now i've learned to have um moderators in my youtube community who can delete comments 
So if something really is toxic and targeting me or even worse, targeting someone in the community, like being mean to someone who left a nice comment, it gets deleted and never seen by me. And I feel like that's even better. Do you remember Memo Choa on that first World Cup where he like blocked all of these goals? I feel like they're my Memo (laughs) Choa and they're there to block. And that way I don't focus on the negative. I don't get to read the negative. I don't even think about the negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like it kind of sucks because when you do, um, you stop doing it and, and you, you know, you you put aside all those good, you know, community yeah. members that. Yeah, because that one mean comment will linger over those really nice comments, yeah. you know. And, and I think it's because it has that inch of either truth or that one thing that you believe about yourself that you don't say, like yeah. that insecurity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those haters like find it and then they like attack it. And so some of the ones that I struggled with were like, oh, my God, please stop singing. And I don't like my singing voice. And so when someone says, like, please stop singing, I would just think, oh, my gosh, yes, I'm going to stop singing because this person told me not to. Yeah. And, and then I had to forget it. I'm like, no, mm-mm. I'm going to sing more. <laughs> I'm going to sing more. And not because of you, just because my people like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many ukuleles do you think you have? <laughs> okay, so the other day I tried to count them. And I think I have over 40, like 42, maybe. But... um. Every time I move, I can't move with all of them. Yeah. So I give a, a bunch of them away. And I'm glad you asked because the reason I've hung on to so many this time around is that I want to start a ukulele group here in the Valley. Oh, wow. And, I, and these are quality ukes. My channel has now gotten to the point where I can turn brands down if I don't like their customer service, um, their business ethics, or how they communicate with me. Or how they communicate with their audience or if their product is not a quality product. Because I can see that now. Like mm. now that I, I I play a new ukulele every week. And so now it just it's really obvious to me when a ukulele is good and when it's not. Yeah. So I'm able to filter out all those other brands and all those other products and now I have really great ones. And usually I give them away, but I'm hanging on to them because I want to start a ukulele club, a ukulele ensemble. Here in the Valley that meets weekly and where I'm teaching so that I'm still gaining that experience. I'm sharing that with people from the Valley. And hopefully we get to the point where we're performing around here for charity events, you know, raising money to give to like the Humane Society Mm -hmm. or to anything like that. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, Actually, my son today um, had a meeting because he's going to join band. He's (gasps) in fifth grade. So, um, yeah, maybe like once you start, maybe we'll we'll swing by Mm -hmm. and, and... Mm-hmm. If he doesn't pick up an instrument mm-hmm. at Bannery, he'll join the... Yeah, and I was thinking about all of the people who did band and who are now longer in an ensemble and miss that component of like, oh, it was fun like meeting up with other people and just playing music for the sake of playing music like, yeah. without a real big thing in mind. And then we could just do a concert for our families, you know? So at this point, I would just have to find a venue and people who are interested and want to do it with me, you know, because it's a little scary. I know, um, you know, talking about venues, um, you know, uh, the community center is always like up to like new classes. Yeah. Um, I know that they have the Carmen Durazo um um, what's it called? The one that by the I don't know dance hotel. There's a they have like a, a complex where they do art okay. showings and stuff like that. So you can probably yeah. reach out to them. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. even now, Central has a, a really cool, uh, cool um, community center where they they've been doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, because to me, like, I feel I feel like 
like lately I've been feeling like it's not only about you know doing things here in Calexico or mm-hmm. talking to people in Calexico right. you know it's a valley it's a valley thing we're you know. interconnected yeah we're yeah. in it you know we're all here so yeah. like yeah. as long as some of us mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. succeed you know yeah um, it puts uh, puts us in the map kind of like yeah the better the valley gets the better everyone gets mm-hmm. you know so. so yeah that's what I would like to offer um, I, I won't start <coughs> this month or next month because I won't be here but probably starting December or January, mm. we'll be able to do it. Um, can you tell us your social media, like people where people can follow you? Yes. So um, my Instagram, I have two. Um, one of them is Plazi, P-L-A-Z-I, P-L-A-Z-I, like Plazola, but short, Plazi. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Bernadette Teaches Music. And that's my YouTube as well. So because um, I follow you on Plazi, which one's the one where you put your like which one's more of your like um the one tied to your youtube or to bernadette teaches music is a little bit more tied to the channel it doesn't even show my face it's just like my hands playing music and you play along with it and my plazzy one is more fun and i'll um do collaborations with artists from around the world and a lot of the giveaways are hosted there and plazzy is more my experimental instagram and then bernadette teaches music is my more professional one so you're you're trying to grow the pla- the plasy one or well you- remember I told you I was like reading a bunch of books and trying to learn about all of how to grow all of this mm. I learned that if you have an Instagram account and then you start another one and they support each other they both grow at a faster rate and so I thought okay because I got like frustrated I'm like I need to grow already like. <laughs> There must be a secret and I need to find it. And so I created the Bernadette Teaches Music account second. And then I didn't have enough time to manage it. So I handed it off to one of my subscribers and I was paying them and I trained them. I'm like, here's what I know about growth. And I trained them. I gave them like a two day training. And then they grew that one to 10,000 in three months. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, okay, this works. This is working. And so we've just started a third account. And I gave it off to another subscriber. She's a Venezuelan refugee. We're living in Peru right now. And I'm paying her as well. And she's going to start managing that account. I'm going to give her the two-day training that I gave the first one. Mm-hmm. And um, and then just grow, 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 grow. And then I'll have three accounts that are all working collaboratively. So the first account that... Plazzy one is just me for fun and collaborating with other artists. The second one is strictly play along videos so that you can practice. And then the third one is going to be where I share my favorite videos and photos from the community. So that one's not even going to be me. It's going to be people like like, a fan fan page. Yes. And like, what are the people in the community doing? Like, what are are they singing? What are they playing that they learn from the channel? And who are the people that I really want to highlight? And it doesn't have to be the most talented. Mm. It could be the person who grew the most through the channel and through their journey or the one who has like a a, just a compelling story you know so Mm. that's what we'll be sharing in the third account it'll be uh centered around the community that's cool that's Mm -hmm. cool well i mean normally i say like uh, some of the you know the reason i pick you know guests on my podcast is to like learn and have the community learn and you know i'm learning a lot today about (laughs) about social and i i thought i was like um up to my like oh like i know mm-hmm. how to do this and that but mm-hmm. like yeah you're, you're teaching me a lot today that's pretty cool oh, thank you um, thank you i just obsessed about it like like i had an, i i obsess about something that i don't understand until like i find those tips and tricks and i see it finally work because i'm like the videos are good and the audio is good the quality is there the colors are there 
and there's a there's a need for it in the market like why isn't it growing and then i'll just find those little tweaks and then boom it mm. works you know do you feel that um your fan base is like um is it more like uh american or is it like mm. spread out it's spread out but right now yes it's mostly u.s mm. I would say, what is it, 30% to 50% U.S. And then there's a big chunk of them in Europe and another big, big chunk of them in Philippines. Mm. Mm. Philippines, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, ukulele is growing a lot in Philippines. So I'm going to head over there and try to meet some of them. It's Mm -hmm. crazy that you say, um, like, the ukulele is growing. Like, it's like an instrument that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It it just seems like a little bit kind of weird. Like, oh, yeah, it's growing. Like, well... How can like an instrument that's been here for a while like mm-hmm. grow? But like you yeah. said, it has is is yeah, it's had its waves. I think um, what's working really well for it right now, and what I think is going to make it stay, is that teachers are using it in the classroom with children starting from kinder. And so, as they go through their education, kinder through high school, they'll be playing this instrument, getting better and better and better at it. Do you, you think know? that the that guy, the Hawaiian guy, the big Hawaiian guy, made it? Israel, yeah. Did, did he did he help it you know i mean of course i mean i think you have is you know brother is is how they call him um is who just made that beautiful cover of somewhere over the rainbow and so people love it and people make that their wedding song you know mm-hmm. And then you have people like Jake Shimabukuro, who uh, is the Japanese-American who played uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps on a ukulele in Central Park. And someone just filmed it on their cell phone. And now he's huge. Like, he's royalty in our community. And then you have new people like Taimane Gardner, who's a girl my age. And she's, like, shredding, like, playing Metallica on it. And then at the same time, Beethoven. And she'll mesh both of those. And then she'll break into song. And so you have these incredible artists who are just showing the capability of the instrument. It's not all like holding hands kumbaya. Yeah, it is that too. Yeah. But it it's such a crazy flexible instrument. And then Grace Vanderwall had um, her American Idol audition with her little ukulele. And she wrote a song called I Don't Know My Name. Mm-hmm. And then all of these girls just like, you know, just went to the ukulele and they wanted a ukulele. And then 21 Pilots did the Can't Help Falling in Love video and that gave it another burst and it's just like it's had all of these legitimate crazy artists just use it yeah, and people get hooked you know yeah. and and like you said it's a it's a really fun sweet <laughs> gentle um you know it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of like my, my son corny but you know you hear it and like mm-hmm. like the cover that the over the somewhere over the rainbow uh-huh, yeah. like you know you hear it, it's like man it kind of makes you want to cry like the mm-hmm. way it's like super sweet and like you yeah. see this big guy singing it and it's right, like right what? yeah and, and i get that question too like i'm a little overweight or like <laughs> i have a large chest can i play it i'm like hey is can play it you can play it, yeah. You, know? I, yeah. you actually have a friend um he's a teacher at southwest um tamayo mm-hmm. he he has um, you might know him he has dreads and he's a teacher at, at southwest and on time we were at a party at a friend's house and he broke out his ukulele and started singing <laughs> awesome. like I love wow it. wow that's super I love it. yeah and he's and he's big too yeah. so like yeah like yeah. you said it's like yeah i think it looks even um cuter <laughs> when the big I, I, person I has it. Say it it's okay you can say it <laughs> but yeah because yeah. it's like he's so big and like he has yeah. this little and, and, and like you said, it was it, it's it looks like a toy, but mm-hmm. 
you know has this really yeah. nice melody that yeah, yeah yeah and then like george harrison from the beatles played the ukulele paul mccartney still plays it um so i i don't know it's just really cool yeah. i i i like the the instrument and the fact that like as soon as you hand it to someone they're like oh it's so cute it's so fun you know and they're hooked it's yeah. it's a drug yeah so hopefully um yeah like for anybody that's interested and in, and in, you know mm-hmm. maybe like in the future joining you know mm-hmm. this group that you want to uh, form you yeah. know make, make sure to follow um her on on instagram yeah, and yeah. you know keep an eye out for that because that, that'll probably be super fun you know to right. to have this group and you know you know play the yeah. ukulele it'll be super yeah. fun yeah and i would like to target it mostly towards adults you know older teens and adults that just want a musical activity in their life mm-hmm yeah that'll mm-hmm. be fun mm-hmm. that'll be fun so um like i said you asked me how long is it gonna be and it's it's been over an hour now an hour and 10 oh minutes more gosh. or less yeah. like i said like when the when the conversation is like fun and flowing like you, <laughs> you lose track of time like this <laughs> yeah especially especially for me it's it seems uh, super fast because um you have all this you know youtube background like this instagram like now that you're doing like mm-hmm. you know all this instagram like you're somebody that you know yeah, yeah. you don't you don't you don't it seems like you don't take this like like oh like, no yeah you're yeah. like really vested into mm-hmm. um and and, and like, like going back to what i said about people saying like oh yeah she makes videos on right. youtube mm-hmm. like it's uh it's like for you it seems like it's a. Uh, I mean that's the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. the screen time this is the tip of the yeah iceberg. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. like i mean <laughs> the editing the planning like especially those 30 30 day challenges mm-hmm. must be a mm-hmm. a toll like because yeah. i remember watching um casey neistat where he used to blog every day every day yeah and and tell like, a story every day yeah mm-hmm. i mean and the editing he does is like amazing like mm-hmm. just like, I, I can't imagine like doing that yeah. f- like for so long and mm-hmm. um but yeah like i want to commend you for that because it's, it's it's you know it's I don't know like uh, it seems like I'm speechless because like I know how much it takes I know how mm-hmm. how long it takes to like you know edit the video mm-hmm. export it upload it mm-hmm. uh, make sure you get the right um you know the description in right. the in the video um shoot it out to all these places like right. it's yeah it's and now I'm working with brands and so brands like well this brand asked for this many videos per month and this brand asked for this many videos per month and so now I'm like okay which brand am I going to use today and like well, you know which brand am I, am I going to gently turn away because their instrument's not the best and so there's also managing that PR component yeah. you know that that is new yeah and yeah. and I mean like you said you have your people that do your instagram but like when it comes to youtube like mm-hmm. it's all you and it's yeah yeah the plazi instagram is all me but the other ones i do have mm. help with because it would just be too much yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well um anything else that you would you know like to add before we? well i mean i'm super proud of you <laughs> because <laughs> you, you have you. this podcast and you're finding you. local treasures yeah. you know and i'm so excited that there is something like this in the valley yeah. so yeah i want to commend you for that oh thank you thank mm-hmm. you I mean, I just wish that a lot more people would, you know, get into the the platform of podcast and a sense of listening, you know, mm-hmm. and following people. Because there's other podcasts here in the valley. Um, we, there's this guy who has a podcast called um, I Eight. Okay. And he's from San Diego, but he he's from El Centro, but he works in San Diego. Uh-huh. So his his podcast is called I like Interstate Eight, uh-huh. but he ate as an E. Oh. <laughs> and I asked him, uh, why is it I Eight? Oh, it's a it's a funny 
way of saying I ate the interstate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's he, cute. he he does a lot of um, local artists, but in terms like of music mm-hmm. rappers and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and then there's um, Calvin Olivas. He does a kind of like a um, we, I don't know if he does it weekly or daily, where he just talks news, sports stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then there was my friend Gil. He had a small town small town news podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, I wish he comes back because he, he, he's he's super good at what at what he used to do. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of um, people who are creating out here in the Valley. I think we need to start a movement then, like yeah, we Imperial should. Valley creators hashtag. You know, yeah. and if you're a listener of this podcast, I'd like to encourage you to share the screenshot of you listening to this podcast on your Instagram and on your Facebook because for these things to keep going, the creators do really need to grow and reach more people and the only way to reach more people is through word of mouth. So mm-hmm. it's all in the listener to share. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I, I'd never thought about, you know, that, um, which kind of shows, you know, that you're... <laughs> your uh expertise in, in this field um, i'm just very impatient like i know it's out there you know like we can grow this it's just like how yeah um, and i think i'm i'm like that but i'm not um proactive i don't i'm like yeah there's people out there that, that should listen to this or mm-hmm. that would like this but maybe they'll find it in the future on their no, own no no yeah. i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna find a way to get in front of you, you know? yeah <laughs> and and i'm not like that and i need to be more like that um but but yeah, um, you know, thank you for taking the time. You know, I really enjoyed you know <laughs> our you talk. It, it, like I said, I learned a lot today. Um, not only about you, of, of all the things you've done. You know, traveling to Okinawa and how you started your YouTube and how it's grown and you know thank how you. much you know you've done so far. And I know you you're gonna do way more. Um, but yeah, um, thank you for for your time and and um, I want to encourage everybody to follow her on 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 Facebook, on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Bernadette YouTube. music everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of good content. And if you want to if you want to learn, you know how to play the ukulele, mm-hmm. you know check out her, her yeah. thirty day challenges. Yeah. And um, and special thanks to the Golden Dragon for yeah. hosting us too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they have cool. some really uh, uh, nice, good tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take a swig of my tea. But um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And um, yeah, see you guys in the next one. And if you're a creator, reach out. Yeah, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, guys. See Thank you guys you. in the next one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.